Welcome to Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is Wednesday, February 16th. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined once again today by Partnership Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. In this episode, we're looking at the latest data on jobs, inflation, and other indicators, and what they mean for Houston's economy now and in the immediate future. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. AJ, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and it's always a pleasure to share some insights with our listeners. Patrick, let's start off with what we know about last year in terms of jobs. How did 2021 end for Houston when it comes to employment, and, and how does that compare with other years? AJ, 2021 was the best year on record for job creation in Houston. You have to go back 40 years to find a year that was actually better. The previous record was held by 1981, and that was when we had 127,000 jobs. Last year, we had just shy of 152,000 jobs. So 40-year difference between the two records, but last year was just one incredible year for Houston. That's great. So for a long time now, you and I have been talking about the jobs lost early in the pandemic, roughly 361,000, and our effort to regain those lost jobs. Where do the 2021 gains leave us? Uh, We did real well. Think about it. If we added roughly 152,000 jobs, that took a big chunk out of that 361 that we had lost. Right now, we've got about 88% back of what we've lost, and that's the aggregate number. That's total employment. There's some sectors like uh, administrative services and professional services and finance that's gotten back everything. They they're, have more jobs in those sectors than we've ever had before. But, but as a whole, we're still about 12% short of where we were prior to the pandemic. How does our jobs recovery here in Houston compare with other major metros across the country right now? Okay, well, let's go back. As I said, we've gotten about 88% of what we've lost back. We want to look at how Houston compares to our peers. And our our peers are going to be the the top 20 metro areas, the the 20 metros with the largest population. Houston, uh, we are right at the middle of the pack. We are at spot number 10 out of 20. We've recovered about 88% of our jobs. If you go to someplace like Dallas, Dallas has gotten 127% of its jobs. Phoenix, 124%, meaning you know they're, they're bigger than they've ever been. But you go to the other end of the spectrum, you look at the other, the other metros that are in the top 20. San Francisco's only gotten back about 69% of what it's lost. Los Angeles, only about 72%. New York, only about 73%. So our, our, our roughly 88%, it, it's not bad. Uh, I would like to see us further along, but we still have a few problems with construction and with the manufacturing and wholesale trade. But we're starting to see pick up in those areas. And you know, this time next year, when you and I are talking about, we'll be well past our previous peak. So, Patrick, your forecast at the end of last year called for us to create about 75,500 jobs this year in 2022. That's an above average year. What are you thinking now? And does that still ring true for you? Interesting, AJ. Anytime I talk to a reporter or I make a presentation out, the people says, is your job forecast still good? Are you going to change your job forecast? Golly, guys. Hey, it's only been two months since it was issued. (laughs) Sorry to pile on. Let's let's, let's get a little bit of distance. It's too soon to revise it, but there are things I'm going to be watching for. I will be watching sales tax collections. I'll be watching the purchasing manager's index. I'll be watching home construction. I'll be looking at the rig count. I'll be looking at traffic going to the port. Uh, Ask me the same question in July, and I'll have an answer for you, but it's really too soon. Right now, 75.5 is still a good number. 
So let's talk about what you know factors could actually derail our continued job growth. What are some of the things that you're watching, as you just mentioned, that may may in time cause you to to revise things or or look at it a little differently? What are those derailing factors? Oh, you're, you're talking about economists like to use a nerdy term. They like to say, "What are the risks to your forecast?" Yeah, and then they're both upside risks and downside risks. You know, the downside risk. Uh, I'll start to name some of them off. There's there's the availability of workers. There's inflation. There's rising interest rates, supply chain constraints, uh, waning consumer confidence. And and as you and I have talked, uh, Russia is still outside the Ukraine. Now that's a real concern. Political tensions. Uh, Russia, if they do uh, invade the Ukraine, that will send the stock market into tizzy. That'll send oil prices up. That'll affect consumer confidence. So all those factors come into play. But if you want to ask me the two that I'm most concerned about, one would be inflation. The last data we had, 7.5% over the last 12 months. Pretty significant. Yes, it is. Uh, And the other is interest rates. And interest rates are going to be a response to inflation. The Fed is going to be raising interest rates this year. And they raise it for the funds they loan banks, and the banks raise their rates for what they loan each other. I mean, I'm trying to make it real simple and not get into too much uh, wonky talk. But if the Fed raises the interest rates it's charging banks, then that's going to transfer into uh, all other interest rates. The latest numbers out there, uh, originally, if you asked me a month ago, people thought the Fed would raise rates four times this year. Now people are talking about the Fed's raising interest rates seven times this year. Wow. Every time they meet, if they bump an interest rate up uh, 25 basis points, or, or in other words, a quarter of a percent, we'd be looking at interest rates that are one and a half percent higher than they are now. That will definitely slow down the economy. It'll definitely slow down uh, home sales because already home prices are getting a little bit out of hand, and that's going to make the monthly payment even that much higher. Right, because of those mortgage payments uh, going up incrementally. Patrick, before we continue, I want to take a moment to say thank you to our Value Business Download sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for making today's podcast possible. Learn more at fifththird.com. That's the numbers 53.com. It's no secret, Patrick, that while things have been picking up in the economy, as we've been talking about, many Americans aren't seeing it the same way as economists, right? So what is the average American experiencing that's making them question whether we're on the right track or not? Oh, the big answer is inflation. It's at 7.5%. Let let me put a couple things in perspective for you. If, If you want to look at gasoline, price of the pump, everyone talks about that. Prices have gone up over a dollar over the last year. The typical family of four consumes, two vehicles consumes a thousand gallons of gasoline in a year. Mm. So if the price of gasoline has gone up a dollar a gallon, that means it's an extra thousand dollars that they don't, they're spending for gas that they can't spend elsewhere. They can't spend on meals and restaurants. They can't spend on clothing. They can't spend on a vacation. That's one of them. The others you have to look at uh, home prices and apartment rents. If you look at the average home sold in Houston, uh, it sold for $310,000 in January of this year, but it sold for uh, about $260,000 in January of last year. So you've seen home prices go up roughly $50,000. Yeah. And so you add that with the interest rates. So h- housing prices, and it's the same thing with apartments. Apartments have gone up roughly on average $150 a month. And so, yes, the economy is going well, but everyone's having to spend a lot more of their money, and they're spending on things like housing and gasoline, which means there's less for for, for the fun stuff. Absolutely, and we, that, that's important to our quality of life, right? And so it impacts our ability to see things in a, in a positive light. Well, exactly. It's, 
And it, it's the price at the pump is probably what affects consumer confidence the most because people know how much it costs to fill up their tank the last time they filled it up. They know how much they paid per gallon. And as the price of, of gasoline goes up, it definitely affects the consumer psyche and makes them feel a lot less comfortable about their economic prospects. Amid the disruptions, one factor seems to be working in Houston's favor, perhaps, and that's the price of oil. What's happening there? Uh, we've seen the price of oil. Uh, as you and I are talk, I just checked just before we went on this podcast, and crude is trading on the, the, the New York Mercantile at $91 a barrel. That's just an absolutely phenomenal price. We were looking at about $60 a barrel just, just a year ago. It's, it's nice. The concern is we don't want to get too high. We've got to find that sweet spot to where oil prices are high enough to assist Houston's economy, but not so high that they stifle the rest of the U.S. Yeah. And so the $91, uh, you know, it, it could even slip a little bit and it would still be good for Houston. You know, we've talked quite a bit about the energy transition to a low-carbon future, our efforts here in Houston to help lead that transition. But is that transition harder or easier for the energy companies when oil prices are actually on the rise? Oh, it's actually easier because if they have to think of it. They simply have more money coming into the coffers. They're making uh, bigger profits. And so part of that profits will be put back into traditional energy that gives them more money to spend on the transition, more money to spend on research, more money to spend on investment. So high oil prices, it's an incentive uh, also to find alternatives that provide BTUs, that provide energy, that provide kilowatts at a much lesser price than, than burning oil or, or natural gas for that matter. So in a way, these higher prices help, help the companies uh, get ahead of what they need to be doing in terms of the next generation of energy technology. Yeah, yeah just, just put it real simple. High oil prices mean the energy companies are going to be making a, a bigger profits. They're going to have more money flowing into the company. If they have more money flowing into the company, it gives them more options what they can do with it. Part of that money will go to traditional oil and gas, and part of it will go to the energy transition projects. So, Patrick, if you had to summarize it all for us, should we be optimistic, concerned, hunker down and wait? Oh, no one needs to hunker down and wait. Uh, should be optimistic, maybe not overly optimistic. Yes, inflation is a concern. We'll probably have this inflation dealing with it for the next 9 to 12 months, but it eventually settle down. Uh, and even if we have challenges, geopolitical challenges, um, unless they get really, really out of hand, uh, we should do okay in Houston. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, Patrick, thanks for uh, having this conversation with me today. AJ, it's always a pleasure talking, and I hope our listeners are getting information that they can find useful. Absolutely. And that's it for this episode of Bayou Business Download. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so via your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. There you'll also find links to recent data and news updates and learn how you can get more involved in the work of the partnership to help make a difference in Houston. Thanks again to Fifth Third Bank for making this podcast possible. And thanks to you for listening to Bayou Business Download.